Hello and welcome to the Savvy Mama podcast. My name is Renee Verco. I'm a mum of two, a financial advisor and founder at Money Mode and this initiative, the Savvy Mama. This week we are tackling the extremely important topic of estate planning. Now death is a very sensitive matter and not one that we really like to think or talk about too much. But I know that creating a will is on or should be on every parent's to-do list and can be a really difficult and confronting task to complete. So I really wanted to bring you this conversation early in the piece so that you can start bringing that task further up that list. Lucy Percy from Head and Heart Estate Planning joins me today on the podcast and she is honestly one of the most nurturing and caring estate planning lawyers that I've had the pleasure of meeting. In the episode, we discuss the elements of an estate plan that you should consider and why, where things can go wrong, and ultimately, how to get your affairs in order to provide a loving and secure future for your family or loved ones in the event of death. Hello and welcome, Lucy. Thanks, Renee. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Really looking forward to our chat today. What may seem like a bit of a heavy topic to some, but it is a really, really important conversation that needs to be had. Can you just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and you know your story into estate planning? So I am a lawyer. I'm a mother of three. I'm a Melbourne local, but my business can work remotely. And My area of practice in law is I'm an estate planning lawyer. So anything to do with death, before death and after death. But my business is called Head and Heart Estate Planning. And I work with families that are probably very similar to yours and mine, Renee, mostly. And what I try and help all of my clients do is create a loving and secure future for their children, no matter what the future brings. So I believe we obviously can't plan for death and for tragedy, but we can certainly prepare for it. And it's certainly not something that any of us expect to happen. I was reading a stat earlier today in preparation for this that over 50% of adult Australians don't actually have a will, which is very frightening. And I know in the Savvy Mama community, we put out a survey a little while back and it was just a bit of a pulse check on where everyone was at with certain aspects of their, you know, overall financial planning. And I certainly put estate planning in there as an item of people's overall financial planning. And so Mm. many of the mums in that group had on there that they wanted to do one or needed to do one, but hadn't done it yet or hadn't had it updated. So it's something that is on people's to-do list, but there seems to be quite a barrier or a bit of resistance to get it done. And perhaps that's that fear of, you know, we don't plan on dying anytime soon. But I guess in your experience, what are some of the pain points that you've come across? Certainly. We actually have a name for that. We call it estate planning inertia. People know they need to do it, Mm -hmm. but how do we get it from the bottom of their to-do list to the top? My own personal experience was I had mine drafted when I was pregnant with my first child and it sat in the filing drawer at work for three and a half years until I was about to go on mat leave with my second child. So I don't know. I don't know why I didn't take it out of the drawer and find that at any time. It's something that I think, yes, Number one, people think it's not going to happen to me. It's such a remote risk. My own personal answer to that is that unfortunately, I have had the experience of losing my own mother Mm. at a young age. Mm. So she died at 48 when my sister was only eight. My parents had a lot of children together. So 
I was a young adult, but dad still had four children at home in school. So, you know, I suppose the only comment I can make is that the risk is not remote. It's Mm. actually certain. Mm. We will all die. The question is just when and will you be prepared for it? The second point is that you might not get warning that it's going to happen. And in my experience, even if you do have warning, when I do estate planning with clients who are terminally ill and have a terminal diagnosis, the inertia actually can increase, not decrease. So knowing that you're about to die and that it's imminent doesn't actually change that feeling. And if anything, I think it complicates things because instead of having this even-handed conversation with perhaps your spouse or your partner about, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you put it in your will, I'll put it in mine. We're actually dealing with a known outcome and it's really hard to make, you know, decisions then. And if you think those conversations are hard to have now, don't leave it until then. The third reason is that when people sit down and they talk about this big tragic event and, you know, it's hard to contemplate, but also most people are not where they want to be at financially Mm. when they see me. There are not many of my clients who would be high net wealth. You know, they might have a mortgage, they might have their family home and a little bit in super, quite often not much, like women have had time out to have children and and I think everybody sits down and there's a little bit of shame in laying everything out on the table and saying, my finances aren't quite where I want them to be. And then also at the same time going, well, hang on, neither are my extended family relationships. Like Mm. I'm well connected, I'm happy, I'm this, I'm that, but if I had to rely on that village or if I had to choose a guardian from that pool of people, that's not quite where I'd want it to be either. And so it just becomes too hard to talk about. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I certainly come across too, as you said, is that people think perhaps I don't actually have wealth to leave behind Mm. or I don't have anything to leave behind, therefore I'll wait till another time where, you know, my finances are in better shape before I do it. Mm. So, Lucy, let's perhaps talk through exactly, you know, sort of what an estate plan is and what the elements are and some things that people need to be aware of. So, I have called my business Head & Heart Estate Planning because I honestly believe that every client needs an estate plan, not just a will. From a very basic starting point, I want everybody to understand that a will only operates and passes control to someone after you've died. So we need to include in the set of documents that we do something that will also pass control and give someone power to step into your shoes and make decisions and manage your money and your assets if you become incapacitated. So that is called an enduring power of attorney. So we include that in the state plan and there are also medical and guardianship ones that we can include too, depending on what state you're in. But something that I was a lawyer client actually said to me the other day, and I was quite shocked they didn't realize this, your spouse does not have the automatic right to do anything on your behalf if you lose capacity. So if I was to have an accident tomorrow or be diagnosed with COVID and in an ICU, Nick wouldn't have the ability to act on my behalf to call in any insurance I might have, any income protection, or to get you know my super paid out, or to just go to the bank and manage any money that's sitting in an account that I manage only, not, not jointly with him. So I think that would come as a big shock to a lot of people. Yeah, you just forget what you don't understand, but Mm. being married does not give you an entitlement to control each other's assets and things. Yeah. So definitely we need a set of documents for before death and after death. We also need to consider 
that not all of your assets can actually be gifted in your will. So a will is a trust in itself. You're giving everything to your executors to hold on trust for your beneficiaries. Your super fund is also a trust. You've given everything to the trustees of the super fund to manage and invest on your behalf for you, the member, and then if you die, for your beneficiaries. They each have a trust deed that sort of sits under them. So the will is the trust deed and each super fund will have a trust deed. They have their own rules. So if you don't have a binding death benefit nomination, it's legislation that will guide the trustees of the super fund. But the ultimate decision, and if there's a dispute, the ultimate decision about where that will get paid is up to the trustees. So that is an asset that's outside your estate. Some families might also have in control of or be beneficiaries of Family trusts, those assets and the things that sit inside those are also sit outside your will and especially if they are used to run businesses. So if you are someone who's self-employed or own a company and that's run through the trust, then those assets will sit outside your will as well. So we need to step back and have this big global overview and just create some columns. What do you own? Is it owned jointly with somebody else and therefore that's going to be outside your will? Is it controlled or owned in a different trust and therefore that's going to sit outside your will? So it's really important to just understand that basically not everything can be gifted in your will. And that comes under the umbrella of estate planning for me too. The other important element of an estate plan that I incorporate into my practice, but I don't think all lawyers do, is the non-legal element of considering what life would look like for your loved ones after death. And so we can talk about what your actual end-of-life wishes are. There's an advanced care directive that even if you don't complete, I recommend sit down with your partner and answer the questions. They've got some specific questions that they ask about what type of care you would like, but also some values-based directives. And, you know, Nick and I read this, my husband and I read this to each other one night, and I said to him, okay, if you were in hospital or in an ICU or you were dying in palliative care, what type of music would you like in the background? And he looked at me and said, oh, no, a horse on football-like games, just have them playing on repeat in the background. <laughs> and I thought, isn't that amazing? Like all of these things that actually bring value and comfort at the end. And they're too big a conversation. There's too many questions to answer to leave it all to the end. So yep. build it into your life. And I call that death literacy. Just simply start thinking about and talking about death with your partner, with your children if they're old enough. But, you know, literally I think one of my biggest missions is not so much the number of clients I'm going to be able to serve on a one-on-one basis, but how many people can I get thinking about and talking about end of life? And I also encourage all of my clients to leave some sort of legacy, especially if they have children. Make sure you're writing a letter or recording a video to them you know, on their birthday, but it's just you talking to the camera about the things that you love about them. I think so many clients I used to see, people would come in and I would just think to myself, I'd love to have something else to give you, but all I have is this set of legal documents that don't actually reflect how much your parent loved you. On a deeper or more personal level, I do have one letter of my own that my mum wrote me when she knew she was unwell. And um, she had two surgeries to remove brain cancer, a brain tumour. So she had the first one, which was quite an emergency situation. And then it grew back. And so she had a second surgery to remove it. And she wrote all of her kids that night 
before surgery a letter and mine's just one page long and it's beautiful. But she had eight I, children, didn't she? So that's yeah, she had nine children. Oh, nine. Wow. And it breaks my heart to think of her the night before sitting up and trying to convey her love to nine people, you know, and I just sort of thought she didn't need to do it. We know how much she loved it. Yep. But I also, it breaks my heart to think of, as a mother, that pressure trying to convey that in one night. And I just think, don't leave it till then. You'll want to do it and it'll be too much pressure and it'll, you should be concentrating on yourself if that's, you know, what's happened to you in life. So, yeah, there's that element that I have brought into my own practice as well. Oh, I think that is just so beautiful and I've actually got yeah. goosebumps all over thinking about it because all of us probably know someone or have experienced someone near and dear who never expected a parent to die. No, and yeah. to be able to yeah. have the love language or the letters, you can imagine even as a child how beautiful that would be how to be confident. able to have that to look back on. Lucy, one of the pain points I know from you know my audience is one of the things sort of stopping them in completing this work is the guardianship issue. I know with my partner and I, it was a real, real struggle to get to a mm. point where we were comfortable because appointing a guardian because no one, yeah. no one replaces us and trying yeah. to come up with a solution if something happened to us on who would parent our children. It's a really, really tough decision and I know that it stops a lot of people being able to complete this piece of work. My advice on guardianship is this. When you would appoint a guardian in your will, it's actually not legally binding anyway. So if someone on the other side of the family, and if they wanted to challenge what you put in your will anyway, and that at the time that it happens, they think that they're better suited, or you know maybe your children would be old enough that they could exert their own wishes and want that taken into account, it just becomes simply a family law custody dispute. So hopefully, number one, it wouldn't be contested. Yeah. But number two, if it was, it being in your will is not legally binding. It's simply a direction of your wishes. Right. Um, so, you know, if you have very strong feelings around that, specific examples that I can think of are drug or alcohol abuse or domestic violence, there are other things that we can do. So that's probably specific to those clients' advice. But make sure you start that dialogue if there's a really solid reason why you don't want the other side of the family or your parents or your sister to get control of your children but don't let it stop you starting and finishing writing a will. I do have a guide on my website that has my top tips for choosing a guardian. I think it's actually really helpful so yeah, it, it is a really good guide and I've had a look Thank at that. You. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes so that people can download that and have a look at those top points. And as you say, start opening that dialogue and having that conversation. Mm. I know obviously in dealing with insurance with clients, I set yeah. up insurance um, and go through a, an analysis with clients about what sort of level of insurance cover they need. And I know, you know, obviously that's a, what well, I call it a gap filler in an estate plan, but it's a tough conversation to have with clients because you've got to put them in a situation of imagining, you know, the worst case scenario. This is the worst case scenario sort of stuff. But mm. what, what actually would you want to play out if the worst case happened? And there's no one better to think about that than you. It's not something that someone else, you can delegate to someone else. You just have to turn your mind to it. Yep. Yeah, it's not a set and forget. It's something that I reassess in my life all the time. And especially that question of insurance. I mean, your needs for insurance is in flux. 
One that I didn't realize you could get and I now have on my children is trauma cover for my kids. And I think that is just the worst case scenario to imagine. But now that I've got it in place, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I went down that rabbit hole one night and found out you could get it. And um, the peace of mind from having it is just amazing. We will be shortly doing an episode on insurance and all the different aspects and covers that are appropriate and need considering. So definitely stay tuned for that one. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Lucy, perhaps let's jump into where things go wrong. So I suppose I can categorise it into three things really quickly. Wills that are not drafted by a lawyer, so will kits in short. One thing that I do see people say is, Lawyers are just using templates anyway, so like, you know, what's the problem with just filling in a template? I'm going to come back to you need a state plan, not a will, so you need an enduring power of attorney as well, but also with a will kit or just using a template or an online bot with no lawyer conference attached, the problem is you're not getting advice, so um, we're not talking about your specific circumstances, we're not looking at that table of your assets that fall in and out of your estate, your will, there's no strategy advice. But probably the biggest risk is, have you made a mistake in filling that out? Is there a problem in its construction? So I'll give you one example. In my first year of practice, there was a solicitor who wrote a will and we purchased his files and he was nearing retirement and he made the mistake of not including what's called the revocation clause. Simply, I revoke all prior wills made before this one. So then when we went to get probate, this person died and the court had to consider, well, what is the last will? We, we have two valid wills because the latest one didn't revoke the earlier one. That had to have a hearing. That cost $20,000 wow. So the problem is that any issue with a will is going to go to the Supreme Court of your state. You're going to need a lawyer and a barrister to appear. It's not a quick fix. The parties can't agree to fix it because we need the court to agree that the will is correct and proper and to grant probate. So it's not something we can sort of fix in-house in the family if you get it wrong. So spending Um, a bit of money up front to actually get one done properly will avoid a lot of potential problems down the track. I think that's the key message there. Yeah, and the problem is, I mean, my husband's an electrician and I always say to him, you know if your work hasn't worked that day because you go to turn the light switch on and it doesn't work. Yep. You don't know if you've buggered up the will, for mm. want of a better word, <laughs> until the person dies. <laughs> you know, yep. you yep. simply don't test it until the death has happened. Yeah. So, um, what about dying without a will? So this is called dying in test stage. The problems with that are, again, that we're not dealing with all the assets in the estate plan, but also you lose control over who gets what. So in Victoria, at the minute, the spouse, so if you have one or the domestic partner, if you're unmarried, is entitled to the first $451,000 of your estate. And then if you have adult children of that same marriage, they don't get everything, so the spouse will get the remainder. If you have children under 18, you're then going to need to share the balance with them. I suppose the idea is that if that spouse repartners, there's still a little nest egg saved for your children. So that is not ideal. And the other thing is you're relying on legislation, so that can change at any time. In Victoria, it's 451000 but I talked about this on my Instagram the other day, and a WA lawyer messaged me and said, in WA, it was something like fifty or 75000 Gosh, that's a um, big difference. Yeah, so a really big difference. And the other problem is that 
there's no way to protect that money from your spouse repartnering. Yeah. Or if you and your partner die together and we're contemplating, you know, what happens with your children, I haven't written a will yet for someone that lets their adult children get the whole inheritance that they think. Most families are choosing to leave it until they're a little bit older. Lucy, just on that note, and that's probably something that maybe people don't think about because, again, you don't imagine it happening, but Mm. that point you made about, you know, protecting your legacy from your partner's potential future spouse. So talk to us a little Mm. bit about that. So this is a real key to my promise of a loving and secure future. So if I die, I want my children to have the same level of closeness and love with my husband and reciprocated from him to them. But what the actual problem is, is that if Nick remarries, which I would also want him to do, I don't want anyone to be lonely and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I would like Nick to repartner, but it's really hard in my experience for the children who have lost a mother and the husband remarries, it's really hard for them to keep that closeness and that connection when they're sitting there going, is dad going to lose mum's inheritance or all the assets that mum and dad worked so hard for together? Is he going to lose that to this second wife and in this second marriage? And what happens if dad dies before my stepmom, in inverted yep. commas? Yeah, and she may have so, children of her own. And Yes, that's yep. right. So that's the really common scenario that, Maybe people our age aren't thinking about, but when I meet them, not so much as will heights, but maybe contesting a will, or they say to me, you know, I'm not as close to my dad, there is this cloud of money and what happens to mum's money and how does it get back to me? And the only mechanism to really ensure that is for the clients to put a testamentary trust in their will at the time that they write it. Right. So a really simple explanation of a testamentary trust is, in my will, instead of gifting 100% of my assets to Nick in his name personally, I'm going to gift 100% of my assets to a testamentary trust called the Lucy Percy Testamentary Trust. And the beneficiaries of that trust are going to be Nick and my children, so they share the benefits. And then it's up to me how much control I give Nick over that trust. Do I want him to have complete control as the sole trustee and so he can use that money to manage as he raises the children? Or if there is an issue that would mean I wouldn't trust Nick to manage that 100%, I might give him a co-trustee so maybe my sister would act jointly with him so that all decisions that Nick makes, he has to run past my sister as well. The benefit is that Nick is been self-employed before, so we'll talk about um, bankruptcy risk as well. If Nick remarries and he's at risk of that marriage breaking down and divorcing, or he dies before that second spouse, the stepmom, or if he runs a business and that business is made bankrupt, Mm. the assets in that trust are not owned by Nick personally. They're owned by the trust. And so they are protected from those types of claims and I can preserve those assets. So it might be my super and my life insurance going there. Maybe I would even put half of my home in there if I really wanted to do that or maybe if my family had loaned me the money for the deposit or something like that. If I wanted to secure that and make sure I redirected it to my bloodline family, my children, I would put it in a testamentary trust and include my spouse as a beneficiary of that but then talk to my lawyer about what level of control we gave each other. You have summarised that perfectly Lucy because it is every woman's worst fear (laughs) oh it is such a complex area 
it is a minefield and sometimes I think perhaps a barrier to this too is that it can be so overwhelming and I think you have a real knack to make it really simple and and easy to understand. But what it highlights for me as you're talking through that, I can think of lots of, you know, it hasn't happened to me but you can think of a lot of people that you know have been through um, everyone could probably think of a situation where they know someone who has been through a tough time watching you know another family or whatever go through having to contest a will or where things haven't played out how they should or how children families that have been blended and things have gone wrong and this is just your opportunity to make sure that you don't have to have any of this added stress yeah it frees them up to have that good genuine relationship take money out of it yeah you know clear is kind like Renee Brown says we locked that up in a trust and now we can move on with our lives and just be happy for Nick that he remarries. You know, just let him live his life and let the kids live theirs with the security that they know they've got the inheritance there. Well, it is a tough conversation to have and it has been, you know, perhaps a, a bit of a heavier than normal episode today, but a very, very important one and a topic that, you. you know, is really, really important to address. And like you, you know, I know you're very passionate about getting this conversation out there, as am I, as part of the overall money conversation. Hopefully we've given people a lot to think about and to be able to, you know, take some action and start thinking about these things and putting them into place. Now, if people want to find out a little bit more about you we'll put it in the show notes but you can tell us where we can find you and lucy does have a fabulous instagram account where she shares lots of tips and case studies and things like that along the way so that's great to go and follow too just at head and heart estate planning but lucy thanks for sharing your time thank you so much for joining us today on the savvy mama podcast talk to you soon thank you bye Thank you so much for joining us today on the Savvy Mama podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and we would love to have you join us over on Facebook in the Savvy Mama community where we will continue this conversation and answer some of your burning questions. Take care and see you soon.